Please remain standing in honor of God's word. We're continuing on through the book of Proverbs. And this morning we'll look at Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 19. Proverbs 1, 8 through 19. This is God's inspired, inerrant, authoritative word. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us, and we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May your Holy Spirit grant us illumination and understanding so that we may walk according to your truth without turning to the right or to the left. And we pray these things in the name of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Amen. May be seated. If God were to put you in charge of a newly formed nation that didn't have any laws yet, I wonder what you might include as you began to think about the government of this new nation. If you started with 10 rules, let's say, would one of those be related to honoring your parents? When Jacob went down to Egypt at the invitation of Joseph, his family consisted of 70 people. But by the time of the Exodus, Israel had become a nation, and God was leading them into a new land, and he would form them into a nation. And in Deuteronomy, Moses is preparing the people to enter into the promised land. And this is what we read in Deuteronomy 4, beginning at verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear of these statutes will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. And what great nation is there? that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today. And then in chapter 5 of Deuteronomy, once again, he gave the people the Ten Commandments, which included, of course, the Fifth Commandment, honor your father and mother. Now, what I thought was interesting was that Deuteronomy 4, 6 said, Keep them and do them, for that will be 
your wisdom. I wonder how many of you have ever thought about the Ten Commandments, including the Fifth Commandment, not just as rules or laws that govern your life, but as your wisdom. Moses says, these laws and statutes that I give you today, they're, they're your wisdom. Now, if you've been with us, um, you'll recall that the book of Proverbs began with the purpose for which it was written, to know wisdom and instruction. And we mentioned that the fruit of such a life may include long life, riches, and honor. And this road that leads to wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And now in Proverbs 1.8, we have the first exhortation given to the son. And Solomon says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. If I can summarize the first eight verses of Proverbs, it goes something like this. I, Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, have written these words so that my people may acquire knowledge and wisdom. But for this to happen, they must have a healthy fear of the Lord, and they must listen to their parents. Or if you prefer, they must listen to their moms and dads. And it's this listening to parents that I want us to consider this morning if you're taking notes. And I have four points. Uh, the first is the command. The second is the promise. The third is the instruction. And then the fourth is the lesson. So let's begin with the first point, the command. We see it in verse 8. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This is simply an application of the fifth commandment. Uh, children honor their parents by listening to them and heeding their instruction. Now, at this point, some of you are thinking, oh, I get it, Pastor. This is a message for the little children in here, and this is a message for the parents of little children, but the rest of us can take a nap this morning. Not so fast. I want to ask an important question. Uh, how old is this son, or a little later, we'll see that's plural, sons. How old might this son be? Well, we're not told exactly, but we do have some hints. If you have your Bibles open, look at Proverbs 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. So he's addressing his son. And if you drop down to verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So how old is this son? Well, he's old enough to have accumulated or inherited wealth. He's old enough to have produce from the crops that he presumably planted. And he is old enough to have barns that are full and vats that are bursting with wine. This isn't typically the description of a six- or a seven-year-old child. This is an adult. Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, if you still have your Bibles open. Verse 1, My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden, forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. And then verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife 
of your youth. This son is a married man, and his father is giving him counsel concerning the adulterous woman. Stay away from her. And he is reminding his son, rejoice in the wife of your youth, this beautiful woman that God has given you. So again, this probably isn't the description, I'm guessing, of an eight or nine-year-old. So I think all of us can glean some wisdom from Proverbs this morning, regardless of our age. We have another verse that gives us an indication with age. Uh, Proverbs 23:22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and do not despise your mother when she is old. I was going to ask if we have any mothers here that are old, but I won't ask you to raise your hand. Um, but when your mother is old, which means that she may also be a grandmother, which means that she may also be a great-grandmother, even when she is old, we are admonished not to despise her or to state it positively. We are to honor her even when she is old. So I know we don't have any old mothers, but someday we may have some older mothers. And it is a reminder in all seriousness that at any age they are to be honored and not despised. It's fascinating in Genesis 48.12 that Joseph brings his two sons to his father Jacob and we're told that he bowed down to his father. He was a grown man. He bowed down to his father. And this is what we read in 1 Kings 2.19. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother. And she sat on his right. King Solomon bow down to his mother when she entered into his presence, obviously a sign of, of honoring his mother. Now, if you're a parent and your parents are still living, ask yourself this question. How would I want my children to honor me when I am old like my mother is? And surely you want your kids to honor you in your old age so here's what I would say to you. Show them how it's done. Show them how even as an older person, you honor your father and you honor your mother. Now, obviously, this honoring of parents is going to look different if you're a seven-year-old than if you're a 47-year-old. But nevertheless, this commandment has no expiration date. It applies to all children whose parents are still living. So that's the command. Which brings us to the promise in verse 9, talking about the teaching of mom and dad. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. These are ancient symbols of honor. Proverbs 4, 8 and 9 can function as a sort of commentary. This is what we read. 
Prize her highly, speaking of wisdom that comes from parents, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland, and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. In today's terms, we might talk about uh, winning the gold medal at the Olympics, and you lower your head and Wisdom puts that gold medal around your neck. Or we might talk about being handed a trophy that you put in your case. Or maybe a crown that you might wear if you won a beauty pageant. But Solomon is reminding children, if you listen to your parents, you will be rewarded. And right in the fifth commandment, we also have a promise. I mentioned it earlier, but let me read it this time. This is Deuteronomy 5.16. And it reads this way. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the first commandment that God gave his people that had a promise attached to it. And if you're wondering, well, does it still apply to us today in the 21st century? It does, because Paul quotes the commandment in Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land, or could be interpreted on the earth. So just as Israel was promised, as you go into the new land, and you follow this law to honor your parents, I promise you, you will be blessed. It will go well with you. You will have a long life. And God still says to children today, if you honor your parents like I'm telling you to, you will be rewarded. You will be blessed. There's a promise here. And you might wonder, well, why does God attach a promise to this commandment? To inspire obedience. Why might we say to a son or daughter, if you, if you clean your room, we'll, we'll go out for ice cream afterwards. What, what are we doing with that promise? We're, we're encouraging them in a positive way to do what we want them to do. And, and even our Heavenly Father does the same thing. He says, this is what I'm calling you to do. And if you do it, tell you what, I will reward you in this way. He's encouraging obedience. So that's the command, honor your parents, the, the promise attached to it. Now let's consider the instruction in verses 10 through 16. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let's lie in wait for blood. Let's ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our house with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. My son, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Now, we could look at this warning from a number of different angles, uh, but I want to look at it this way. Solomon is saying to his son, at the very least, do not give in 
to peer pressure. Do not follow the wrong crowd or positively choose your friends wisely. Some of you have heard me tell this story before, but uh, a man turned 100 years old and a journalist came out to interview him on his birthday and the, the journalist said to this man, what is it like to be 100 years old? And he said, well, I no longer have to worry about peer pressure. Uh, the rest of us do. And we should understand that the pressure our peers really do put on us. From one perspective, this is kind of an ex extreme warning. Uh, in essence, Solomon is saying, avoid getting involved with the mafia or a gang that murders innocent people all for the sake of money. And you might be wondering, well, what kind of son would, would get himself involved in, in that kind of group? But here's what happens. It, it doesn't usually happen overnight. Son doesn't just usually wake up one day and, and think, I know what I do. I'll, I'll, I'll join a gang and I'll, and I'll buy a gun and I'll go rob a store. It just doesn't usually work that way. It usually takes place over time. Charles Bridges said, the tender conscience becomes less sensitive by every compliance. So usually what happens is over time the conscience is, is worn down. And, and if you go back to the origin, often it starts with the, the wrong friends and starts with maybe just a, a little stealing from the store and then it gets more tense and more intense and and who knows where it's going and this father is basically saying be careful what road you're you're going down i read an article the other day it was a cnn uh, online article and it said and many of you are aware of this a wave of smash and grab crimes is plaguing upscale stores and major U.S. cities with mobs of thieves making off with expensive goods in brazen nighttime raids. At least 18 people broke into a Nordstrom department store in Los Angeles Monday night and stole thousands of dollars in merchandise, the city's police chief said. The thefts followed a rash of similar incidents over the weekend in the San Francisco Bay Area. A group of thieves swarmed the Southland Mall in Hayward on Sunday evening, wielding hammers to smash cases at a jewelry store before grabbing items and fleeing. Now, here's a question I have for you. How many of those people involved in those robberies do you think would have been involved if they were all by themselves? I bet very few of them would have done that all by themselves. But when you get caught up with the wrong people, it's amazing the kinds of things that you will do. Things that you would never have even considered before. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Bad company ruins good morals. You can take it to the bank. There is a flip side to that, by the way. 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul told Timothy, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So flee youthful passions. I think it was maybe 
15 years ago or so, our oldest daughter was here with a good friend of hers in town, and I was speaking on this passage, and I got a little excited, and I said, flee! And, and a little later afterwards, they were, they, were like, they were like laughing, you know, because I was like, flee! I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what you're facing. Run for your life like Joseph. Get out of there. Today, she's married. She just had a child of her own, her grandchild. And I wonder if perhaps now she might have a different perspective. I, I didn't ask her. But now when you hear the pastor say, flee those youthful, stupid passions. Maybe now that she is a parent, she might be thinking, yes, my child, please, please turn away from it. And, and I have a question for you children of, of any age. This morning, again, any, any age, is there anything that, that you need to flee? Is there anything that God is saying, stop flirting with that? Stop playing with that. You, you need to get away from that. Is there, is there anything? If there is, I, I hope your heart is, is tender before the, the Spirit of God. He's trying to lead you in, in, the, in the right way. We need to listen to the instructions of our Father even if it's our father in heaven because our earthly father is no longer around. So we had the command, the promise, the instruction. Now Solomon's going to get to the lesson in, in verse 17. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men, they're not even as smart as the birds, but these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Jordan Peterson used to be a Canadian professor of psychology at the University of Toronto. Uh, he also had his own practice. In a recent lecture, he was admiring an engraving of Moses with the Ten Commandments. And this is what he said to the audience. I thought this was fascinating. He said, break the law and see what happens. Break the universal moral law, man, and see what happens. I see people like this all the time because I'm a clinical psychologist. If the people I'm seeing have not broken the universal moral law, then you can be sure the people around them have. It's no joke. Like you make a mistake and things will go seriously wrong with you. Stay awake, speak properly, be honest, or watch out because things will come your way that you just do not want to see at all. Most people know that deep in their hearts. That's why the Old Testament says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You can't twist the fabric of reality without having it snap back. It doesn't work that way. Why would it? Because what are you going to do? Twist the fabric of reality? I don't think so. It's bigger than you. And one of the things that really tempts people is the idea that, well, I can get away with it. It's like, yeah, you try. See how well that works. You get away with nothing. And that's the beginning of wisdom. And it's something that deeply terrifies me 
look out, man, because there are rules. And if you break them, God help you. There's a God who has established moral laws in the universe, just like he has established scientific laws like gravity. And if you defy those moral laws, they do indeed snap back at you and you end up paying a price. This is what Peterson is saying, and it's the same thing that Solomon is saying in Proverbs 1. Paul said it this way in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption or destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. There are many examples of those who have foolishly tried to twist the fabric of the reality that the sovereign God has put into place, and the consequences were not pretty. And the examples are everywhere. The Bible gives us a number of examples so that we can learn from them, of course. I'll give you just a couple. There's Ahab, king of Samaria. He wanted the vineyard that belonged to Naboth, but Naboth would not give it to King Ahab because it was part of his inheritance and it belonged in his family. But his wife Jezebel said, don't worry, I'll get the vineyard for you. And she hired two crooks to lie about Naboth. And as a result, he was executed. He was stoned to death. And then Jezebel said to her husband, arise and take hold of your vineyard. But this is what we read in 1 Kings 21, 17 to 19. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, You have killed and also taken possession and you shall say to him, thus says the Lord, in the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick your own blood. He had Naboth executed, and little did he know that he was bringing upon himself his own blood. And then many of you are familiar with the story of Haman in the book of Esther. He he hated Mordecai the Jew, so he not only wanted to have Mordecai executed, but he wanted to do away with all the Jews, but Queen Esther spoiled the plot. Long story short, the king found out about it, and then we read in Esther 7, 9, and 10, Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance on the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman had prepared for Mordecai whose word saved the king, is standing in Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. That's what Solomon is, is saying here, here in these verses. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush 
for their own lives. They, they think they're taking someone else down and it comes back upon them. We could talk about Judas Iscariot who betrayed Christ and it ended up costing him his very life because of the guilt. He couldn't live with himself. And even today, I don't know if you followed this story. Michelle and I followed this story for, for years, but back in 2005, some of you heard about uh, the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. She was an 18-year-old graduate from Alabama, and she went to Aruba to celebrate with her friends. She never made it home to the devastation of her parents. The last person that she was seen with was a man by the name of Jordan Vandersloot. And all the evidence pointed to Jordan Vandersloot as, as her killer, but they couldn't find any evidence. A week and a half ago, he finally pled guilty to the murder. Michelle asked me, why, why do you think he did it? I think part of why he did it was because of the guilt. I don't think he could live with himself. He probably thought he, he got away with it. Statue of limitations has, has run out on the, on the murder in Aruba. But you know what? He has to live with his conscience. He has to live with himself, and God has established it that way. You don't, you don't get away with, with anything. Solomon says it comes back upon your own head. It's a real strong warning that Solomon has for his son. Now, if you're attentive at all this morning, uh, you're probably feeling conviction, which, which actually is a good thing, because here's, none of us are perfect children. If we're honest, we caused our parents some, some grief. Some of us have caused our parents more grief than others. We are not perfect parents. Uh, we as parents have fallen short we have stumbled, we have, we have fallen. And I want you to remember, as, as we go through Proverbs, we have, we have wisdom and we have law, but it's not here so that we can be justified before God. We are justified by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And because of the gospel, the good news of forgiveness and, and Jesus Christ, we can, we can look the, the law straight in the face, as it were, and and say, I'm guilty, I've fallen short. God, please forgive me. And, and God forgives us. And then after he forgives us, we then return to the law. But we don't return to the law for justification. We, we return to the law for wisdom and instruction and, and guidance. So this morning, as we're looking at God's law, and we will continue to do so, let's remember we're, we're looking for wisdom and guidance in our, in our lives. We're, we're not looking... For justification. If we're looking for justification, uh, we are abusing the law. So if you're feeling conviction, thank God that we have forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And we can praise God that at the end of every single sermon, we come to the Lord's table where we have a tangible, edible reminder of our forgiveness in Christ. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your laws. We thank you for your statutes. 
We don't normally think of praising you for your laws, but we should. Because they are a revelation of your wisdom, and they are our wisdom as we apply them to our lives. Father, forgive us for not heeding the wisdom that you have graciously granted to us in your word. And Father, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit will empower us to live according to the wisdom that you've laid out for us. And Father, I specifically want to pray for all the families in this congregation. Father, I pray that your blessing will rest upon them. Father, I want to pray for the young parents among us. Give them wisdom, guidance, good counsel as they raise their kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Father, I pray for the children that they will listen to the instruction of their parents and receive it like they would bars of gold, hidden treasure. And Father, for those of us who are older children, may we remember that we still have a responsibility to honor our fathers and our mothers. And I want to pray that that honor in this congregation would be so obvious that even outsiders would see that they would see it displayed in our congregation and know that it's a genuine and, and real and, and would be envious and would wonder about these wise commands that God has given us. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.